I wanted to continue our message last week. Uh, we were talking about justice. We are talking about righteousness. And we never got to righteousness. But you'll see when we do the full armor of God, and I'm pointing down here because I have armor down here. It's not actual Roman armor, but you'll see in a minute, it's going to look really good on Asher Duel Wilson. Um, because he's going to be my example of a soldier wearing the armor. But we're told to suit up, and that's the name of my message today, to put on the full armor of God. So as we indicated, we can wear these masks and protect each other, but the reality is that's really not going to protect me. What I need is something more than that. What I need is something above that. And it's not just for the coronavirus. It's for everything that's going on out there. There's just a lot of demonic stuff. Let's just call it what it is. It's demonic, right? People say it's evil, but there's a personal evil. There's a, there's a, uh, a center of evil. Uh, we call him the devil. We call him Satan. And uh, he was able somehow to persuade uh, a third of the angels of heaven to follow him in rebellion against God. And by the way, when you have that, that just that spirit of rebellion that wells up inside of you, uh, that's original sin. And it goes back before Adam and Eve. It goes all the way back to Satan. And this is something that I talked to you guys about a couple of weeks ago uh, when I initially uh, talked about uh, spiritual warfare. I talked about Satan and how he's behind all of this and how he seeks to divide us and how he seeks to slander us and how he seeks to steal, kill, and destroy from us. Well, um, as a defense against this, we're told to put on the full armor of God. Now, I'm going to read the, the scripture here. Um, in fact, uh, I have the, the English Standard Version right here, but uh, I have bigger print of the same Bible right here on my notes. Um, the Apostle Paul writes, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. That means your battle is not against a political figure or a political party. Your battle is against evil and the spiritual forces of evil that are around us in this invisible realm that they're calling the heavenlies here. Now, I'm going to get into a little bit of detail on this today, but uh, so that Asher doesn't have to stand up here forever, I'm going to have Pastor Craig bring Asher up here. And uh, we're going to go through these pieces of armor. So let's look, at, uh, let's look at this armor. Therefore, take up the full armor of God. This means you need to put on all of this armor so that you will be able to resist in the evil day. And having done everything, to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with the truth. So this is the belt of truth that we're going to put on Asher. And what this does is it surrounds you. And back in the day, they wore uh, like a toga, essentially what we would think of as a toga, you know, just a draping uh, uh, type of affair. And in order to, to get into battle, they would have to take that and scoop it up and stick it up under that belt. So that belt helped them to move along. Now, uh, you, you see folks today, and this is still, I don't know why, but it's still uh, a practice for people. Uh, some people to wear their pants down around, you know, the backs of their legs. Okay. You can't run that way. Did you, you, I mean, have you ever seen one of these guys run, you know, they're like this. 
right? So that holds everything together and it holds everything up. And we'll get into more detail uh, about that in just a minute. Take up the full armor of God. So uh, stand firm, having girded your loins with the truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Now I'm gonna talk about righteousness uh, a little bit more today. But uh, what we wanna do now, you know, Craig isn't cinching this thing up or anything like that, but this is, the most important thing is this is protecting his heart, right? The breastplate of righteousness protects your heart. The, the scripture says in Proverbs, guard your heart for from it are the wellsprings of life. That's what's getting attacked today is your heart, all right? This is where we're, we're getting so much, we're, we're becoming callous, we're becoming hateful, and it's because our heart is getting attacked. I want you to notice that it is the breastplate of righteousness, and Pastor Craig is, is cinching that up a, a little bit tighter, which is great, all right? Um, but this would have been made of thick leather back in uh, the Roman days, okay? And you had to put it on tight, you couldn't wear it loose. Now, we're not going to be able to tighten this, this uh, toy up as, as tight as uh, Roman would wear it. But man, that's, that's rock solid right there. Why don't you get that sword and hit him a couple of times with that? Yeah, he's all right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> all right. Um, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. All right. So it depends on how the translation goes as to whether these are shoes or whether these are greaves. Now, these, uh, in this case, little costume right here. These are actually like greaves, which they protect your shins. Uh, that's what these really do. But this is a part of that soldier is not going to be ready to go out into battle if he doesn't have shoes on and if he doesn't have those shins. How many of you all have ever been kicked in the shin? Has that ever happened before or hit your shin? How pleasant was that, right? Have you ever gone outside and you've been uh, at some park or something and you, and you get like chiggers? Have you ever gotten those? Oh, those are just, we used to meet outside. And in the summertime, for the first time in my life, I got chiggers. That's why for us today, you know, yeah, shorts because it's hot outside. But I'm telling you, when I go to one of those parks, I'm wearing, I'm wearing something that's going to cover my legs because, yeah, it'll get at you. So the point is, this is going to cover his shin. So why don't you whack him on the shin a couple of times with that, with that sword right there. All right. And so he's all good. All right, that's protected. But you're not ready to go out unless you're wearing your shoes. Now, honestly, in Arizona back in the day, I used to run around barefoot. And I'm talking, it's Phoenix, Arizona, 120 degrees outside. And, you know, the bottom of my feet were just calloused. But I also would get a lot of stickers and step on rocks. And even though my feet were, you know, really, really used to that, it, you still can't go far if you don't have your shoes on, all right? So having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, in addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which we'll be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the enemy. So you're going to put your hand in there just like we hold our shields in karate, all right? So that's movable. So where, wherever Craig, yeah, puts that, that's going to be movable, right? And he's going to be able to guard himself with that, all right? Um, taking up the shield of faith, which, which, with which you'll be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. So imagine arrows coming at him and Asher is, you know, uh, catching those arrows with that shield. And finally, take up the helmet of salvation, right? So here's the helmet of salvation. All right. And you, yeah, there we go. So now his head is protected. <laughs> his head is protected. Oh, because it goes over his glasses. He's already got glasses, so he doesn't need that. All right. You need your head protected. How many of you in this room ride a motorcycle? Nobody? Okay. A scooter. A scooter. There you go. Okay. Here's the, here's the deal. 
A lot of young guys ride motorcycles and sometimes they don't wear helmets. I've heard nurses at emergency rooms call them donor bikes. Now, this sounds really rude, but it's because a lot of young guys die in motorcycle accidents and they have healthy young organs to donate to old people like me. You are far less likely to die if you're wearing a helmet because you can get, your body can get slashed and beat up and whatever, but all it takes is the slightest hit here in the temple or in the back of the head and you die, right? So the helmet of salvation is absolutely important before you get out there in the world. You need to be saved. You need to know that you have a real relationship with Jesus Christ who died on the cross, was buried and rose on the third day on your behalf, all right? And finally, now Asher gets what he's wanted all along, which is the sword, right? Now, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So, Asher, I wonder, look over at me for a minute. S Satan attacked Jesus in the wilderness with temptations. Now, Jesus didn't have an actual sword in his hand, but do you know, Asher, what Jesus did to make Satan go away and to attack Satan back? He quoted Scripture. Now, I know you know several verses of Scripture, right? You had to, you, he has a yellow belt in my karate class. And by the way, you ought to see this kid do Saison Kata. I wish we had a contest, as in a, a tournament that I could put him in, because it, it looks good. It looks real good. So, can you say Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 for me? Trust? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understandings and all your ways Acknowledge him, and he'll make your path straight. Amen. Will you give him a big hand? All right. Thank you so much, Asher. And he can step down now. And uh, in fact, you can keep all that armor if you'd like. Um, you were my you were my example. So now you get to go home and you get to uh, play with all that stuff. So let's take a look at this. I did a study in Ephesians uh, a number of years ago, and so I have more notes here than we have time. And those of you that you know are wearing masks, and by the way, if that thing just gets to be too much, pull it down and take a couple of breaths with your nose. We're going to be okay. Um, I have to. I have to wear a mask in the gym now. That's just rough, man. When you're lifting and you're like breathing in your own, so like I'll pull that thing down on my nose, take a couple of breaths, pull it back up, whatever. Um, so. Let's look at this, Ephesians 6, 10 through 17. It's not gonna be up here. Um, so if you have your own copy of scripture or if you have a mobile device, uh, you can get the YouVersion app or whatever uh, Bible app you wanna use, Bible Gateway. And you can look up Ephesians chapter six, verses 10 through 17. And if you wanna keep up with the same translation that I'm using, this is the English standard version, which is a more literal translation. So um, this is the end of Ephesians, which actually it took me 27 weeks to get to this point uh, at the, at the time that I was teaching this uh, because we were going verse by verse through this, okay? But uh, he says, finally, at the end of the letter, be strong in the Lord. Now, that means it's not your strength. Is it your strength? Some of you may feel like you're strong and some of you may not feel like you're strong. And sometimes what you may not understand is when you're weak, God is strong, amen? In fact, that's what, uh, that's what uh, the Lord told the Apostle Paul. He said, in your weakness, I will be made strong, right? And so we need to realize that we need to rely on the Lord's strength. We need to be strengthened by him. This is his strength that we're looking for. Uh, a commentator said, people cannot strengthen themselves. They must be empowered and not once for all, but constantly as the tense of the Greek indicates. So be strong in the Lord means continually be strengthened in the Lord 
and in the strength of his might. So it's God's power that causes me to be confident in the midst of all of these crises, some of which are partial, some of which are manufactured. Remember the murder hornets? Yeah, okay. So it's like, you know, we're constantly, we've got this, it's, it's like there's gotta be another crisis out there. Uh, I want you to know the reason why, I, and by the way, I got this uh, face mask at Mardell's, all right? See what it says? Faith over fear, that's exactly what it says. Fear is the opposite of faith. So if faith attracts God, fear attracts Satan. The way that I become filled with faith is to expose myself to the word of God. That's what you're doing this morning. That's what you're doing this morning. Or later as you're, as you're observing this, as you're, as you're watching this, you're seeking to let the word of God inspire you. It gives you an opportunity to have faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. See if you heard that. Faith comes by and hearing by the so there you go. That's what is going to strengthen and encourage my faith, which is going to push away the fear. If you fear God, you need fear nothing else. That is uh, a version of, uh, of Isaiah 8.13 that I like quite a bit. Be strong in the Lord in the strength of his might. So not my strength, but Christ's. In ourselves, guys, we're frail people of flesh. We're incapable of doing anything spiritual, actually. Jesus himself said, flesh just gives birth to flesh but the spirit gives birth to the spirit. That's John 3, 6, which is why we need to be reborn by the Holy Spirit. He gives us a new nature. He gives us a, a, a new inside, a new heart, if you will. Listen to what it says in 1 Corinthians 2, 14. It says, the person without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned through the spirit. So I absolutely, positively have to have the Holy Spirit. That's where I'm gonna get this strength and this power, right? Now, um, we're attracted to people with natural gifts and natural strength. That's why even though sports are not going on right now, there's reruns of sports. I mean, we just love to watch these people do all these magnificent athletic feats. We're very attracted to that. But you and I should realize that God is not attracted to human strength. He gave you everything that you have, right? Um, listen to what it says, Psalm 147, 10 and 11. He does not delight in the strength of the horse, he does not take pleasure in the legs of a man. The Lord favors those who fear him. He favors those who what? Revere him, honor him, okay? Put him above all else. He favors those who fear him, those who wait for his loving kindness. So when we're weak in the natural, we may be strong in the spiritual. And here's the verse that I alluded to earlier. Uh, this is uh, the Lord Jesus speaking to the apostle Paul who was afflicted with something. And some commentators think that he had an eye problem. It's just he had a difficult time with his eyes ever since he was struck blind uh, by the Lord on the road to Damascus when he was first converted. But he asked the Lord to take this, this, this he called it a thorn in the flesh, and he asked the Lord to take it away. I wonder, have you, have you ever had something going on in your life and you just asked the Lord to take it away? Oh man, we do that all the time. You know, maybe it's a, a, just a strong temptation. Maybe it's to the point of addiction. Uh, maybe it's, it's illness. I am a bad sick person. This is why I don't want to get the coronavirus, all right? I don't think I'm going to die. I just don't want to get the coronavirus. I'm a terrible sick person. I, I, it's bad. It's, you don't want to be around me. All I do is complain and moan and groan and whine and I never stop. And I don't even know how to stop. I keep praying and then I keep feeling bad and I'm like, I just want to die, you know? 
But the Lord Jesus spoke to the Apostle Paul and said, my grace is sufficient for you because my power is made perfect in weakness. Wow, my power is made perfect in your weakness. That's just, see, Jesus just inverts everything. So the Lord doesn't look at outward appearances. He's not looking at all these athletes and just, you know, impressed uh, because they can run fast or they're strong or whatever, okay? Um, in fact, uh, you know, he indicated that when he called uh, David to be the, uh, the king of Israel. All of David's brothers came before the prophet Samuel and the first couple of brothers were really tall and strong and good-looking guys. And Samuel was like, well, surely the Lord's anointed is standing before me. But he was paying attention. And the Lord said, nope, not that one. Nope, not that one. He said, look, human beings look at the outward appearance. The Lord looks at the heart. What, is the, what does the Lord look at? He's looking at your heart. So it's not you know, how able, how capable, how beautiful you are on the exterior. In fact, we looked at that uh, two weeks ago in our study through First Peter chapter three, uh, women were told not to worry about, uh, you know, beautiful clothing and, and, and gold and braids and all this other stuff, but to have a beautiful character, have a gentle spirit that God is looking at that kind of beauty. So men, he's not looking at our virility, our masculinity, our strength. He gave you everything you've got anyway. He's looking at the heart, okay? So um, put on the full armor of God so that you'll be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. First of all, you don't just put on part of that armor, right? Now, I didn't want Asher to have to stand up here the whole time wearing that stuff, but you saw him standing here. I mean, he was armored up, right? Now, we teach these kids in karate, we teach them how to defend themselves without having armor and, you know, with just their fists, all right? Karate means empty hands. What does it mean? All right? It's because when a greater power takes over a lesser power, the first thing that they want to do is remove the weapons from the citizenry. They didn't have guns back then. What they had were swords. So when the Japanese shogun came into the Ryukyu Islands in Okinawa, now, we think of Okinawa as being in Japan today because it's been part of Japan for hundreds of years. But originally, it was its own island kingdom, the Rikyu Islands. They had their own king and so forth. And the, uh, these dictators, these shogun came in and they took over the Rikyu Islands. And the first thing they did is they took away and prohibited all weapons from the citizenry. They said, no, you can't have any bladed weapons. Well, the Okinawans were very peaceful people, but they also wanted to defend themselves. So you know what they learned how to do? They learned how to use common everyday items that they had as weapons. So they had a fishing pole. Now, don't think of a flexible fishing pole like you and I would use today. This was more like a pole, like a solid pole. And so that became a bow staff. They learned to defend themselves. We have a bow staff kata. In fact, uh, Pastor Craig is in my karate class, and, uh, and that's why his kids are, are coming with him, and he's continuing to teach them. And the very next kata that he's going to learn, a kata is a choreographed series of movements designed to simulate a fight. The very next kata that he's going to learn is a bow staff kata called tokomini no kunodai, right? So they learned how to use bow staff. If you've ever seen um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, how many of you have ever seen that? Okay. And if you've seen that weapon, uh, and I don't know, I'm not familiar with these guys, maybe you know it, but if you've seen that weapon that one of the guys has, it looks kind of like a, a, a stake, but it's got two little tines that come off to the side. It's got a long thing in the middle, and then this comes off this way, and this comes off this. Those are called size. And that was actually originally a planting tool. They just poked a hole in the ground, dropped a seed in there. And what they did is they added those two little ears on it, those two little tines, so that they could defend against a sword. They learned to defend themselves using these weapons, right? 
But, you know, you're, you're limited. Empty-handed fighting, you, you know, you're limited. If somebody comes up against you with a gun and they're standing 10 feet away, you just get shot. That's pretty much it, right? There are defenses to try to get inside and try to take a gun away from somebody. The same thing with a knife, right? But the reality is if somebody has a weapon and you don't, you are at a disadvantage. So the way ancient warriors attempted to bridge the gap of that disadvantage is they wore all of this armor. So that whole suit of armor that Asher was wearing up there was designed to prepare these guys to fight. This is what the Apostle Paul is trying to tell you. Don't walk out your door. Don't get online. Don't turn on the news. Don't even put your headphones in and listen to music, especially if your music is just you know, regular everyday secular music before you put on the full armor of God, right? So that's something you can do every morning by having a, a, a bit of time alone with God. Have a devotional time. That's what we like to call that. Have a time where you just get alone. And you know, some of you, you your house is full of folks and maybe it's a little more difficult than others. Get up earlier than other people, all right? Uh, ladies, you know this, you just go in the bathroom and lock the door, Right? Now, you can have a devotional time in the bathroom. It's okay. You can have it anywhere you want. You, you know, uh, Jesus said, get into your closet and pray to your father who sees in secret, who hears in secret, and he will reward you. Man, have an actual prayer closet. Find somewhere in your house and find a time every day when you get suited up. All right? Here, here's my routine in the morning. I get up, um, I make coffee, and I, I make it all. I roast the beans. No, I roast them beforehand. Otherwise, it would take too long. Okay, I roast the beans, I grind the beans, I have what's called an AeroPress, which is a manual uh, coffee maker, if you will, and you can turn that into a way to make uh, espresso, so you grind it up real fine, and I, and I use that, and I have a milk frother, and I get all that ready, right? And I can be praying while I'm getting all that ready. And then I go in with my nice cup of coffee, I sit down in front of my computer, and I open up my Logos Bible app, and I have two different plans that I'm, I'm going through. Uh, they're they're uh, lex, uh, lectionaries is what they are. Uh, and this, uh, in high church, like uh, the Episcopal church, even like the Lutheran church, they have lectionaries that kind of tell you what to do day by day, Sunday by Sunday, what scriptures to read and so forth. But I like the way these scriptures are laid out because they were laid out by faithful guys a long time ago. Actually, one of these lectionaries is used by Lutherans. One of them is used by the Anglican Church. And it's just scripture. Now, lectionaries have more than that, but I just look at the scripture and it leads me through it. And I really, really like it. And the Lord speaks to me in that scripture. Now, I have, I think I've got like 32 people right now on my list uh, that I send a scripture every day to. And um, I believe your bulletin has what you, what you would need to get on that list or you can just con talk to me and I'll add you to that list. But I send a scripture every day. So if you don't know where to go in the Bible, I send a scripture every day. Now there's been a couple of days I've missed recently, um, but pretty typically I give you a scripture and I'm giving you a scripture that I think the Lord is leading me to send you because I want it to be something that is practical for you, that the Lord is speaking to you. But you need to put this armor on every day, which means you need to have time to do it. You don't want to go stumbling out the door half dressed. How many of you have ever had this dream? I've had this dream before. You got to work or you got to school. I used to have this dream a lot when I was younger and you're not wearing any pants. Have you ever had that? Or I, I've even dreamt, I'm like, I got wherever I was going and I'm just, I forgot to put on my clothes altogether. I'm like, how, how did I do that? I, I forgot to put on my clothes, right? Dreams are weird, okay? I'm sorry, I'm not leaving the house without putting my clothes on. 
But that's exactly what you're doing if you're not putting on this full armor of God every day, right? It's like running out of the house half-dressed and you're just not ready to go, all right? So um, the likelihood is while the Apostle Paul was writing this, he was actually in Rome and under house arrest, chained to a Roman soldier. So he was looking at this Roman soldier right there and looking at all this armor that he's wearing. Further, just like the strength is the Lord's, I want you to notice he says, put on the full armor of God. Who does the armor belong to? It's God's armor. God is giving you this armor. This isn't armor that you invent. This is armor that God is giving you. And so what I do is I let him suit me up. I let him give me the armor that he wants me to have, okay? Now, here's the most important part, and I'm, I'm not gonna go through all these notes because, again, I'm not gonna keep you here a long time wearing a face mask. But this is the most important thing. This is the reason why you're wearing that armor. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. See, we're just all up into arguing with other people. You know, there's just personalities. People are just not getting along today. And we're seeing it from, you know, the, the highest places in government right down to our own families. People are just fighting with each other. And I posted something yesterday or the day before. Um, believers, I said, we're either going to stand together or we're going to fall apart. Amen? A house divided against itself will not stand. We need to stand together. We need to be in agreement with one another. And that doesn't mean that we're going to be, we're going to agree about everything. I'm not talking about, you know, agreeing, uh, you know, as to which team is the best or which truck is the best or whether you like apple pie or cherry pie. Uh, differences are, are wonderful. Um, this is why I think ethnic differences are amazing. When we're saying look at people and have unity among us. We're not saying be uniform. We don't need to all be alike. You bring your own uniqueness, right? And uh, you come from a particular family. You come from a particular, uh, you know, background. And you bring certain values and certain practices into the world. And I don't think you need to lay those down. That's not what we're saying here, that we all just need to be alike. We don't all need to be alike. We need to learn to get along with one another, even though we are different, right? Um, but understand that this is a spiritual battle. This is not a battle of, that is over politics. It's not a battle that is over tastes and those sorts of differences. It is a genuine spiritual battle, even the coronavirus battle, right? Now, the first thing that you're, you're supposed to put on is the belt of truth. So I'm gonna jump to say something about that real quick. Truth is two things. First of all, it, truth that comes from God never changes, okay? Jesus Christ is God's son, the savior of the world. Would you agree? That's the truth. That never changes. What is true is what corresponds to reality. Now, here's where the tricky part comes in. There are all sorts of narratives being told out there to try to explain away reality, now, I'm not, not going to get into a side eddy here and a political argument or anything like that. But there are narratives that are simply explaining away plain truth that's right in front of our faces, right? Sometimes we're being given facts that are not really facts. And so we need to be careful about our news sources and where we're getting our information. So I've been posting uh, 
trying to help people understand or get a perspective regarding uh, the coronavirus and the, the danger of it, um, let's just suffice it to say it is far less lethal than we were originally led to believe, right? Um, in fact, right now, the latest statistic that I read from a fella, and I posted the conclusion to his pamphlet that he wrote, um, but the latest statistic that I read was that the fatality, the case fatality rate is between uh, 0.15 and 0.4. Now, that's still more than the flu. The flu is about 0.1, okay? But it's nowhere near the 3.5 to upwards of 4 or even 5% case fatality rate that we were led to believe that it would be back in March, so what does that lead us to do? Well, that doesn't mean that we can put our guard down, but it does mean that those facts can help us to have a little bit more confidence. Further, the overwhelming majority of people who uh, die as the result of the coronavirus are over the age of 80 or have pre-existing conditions and would have died within months anyway, right? Now, again, I'm not trying to lighten this so much that we just don't do anything at all, but this is the truth. This is facts. Uh, these are facts. And so we need to apprise ourselves of those things when we consider how we're going to act. That truth is around us. But above all, the fact that I want you to, to understand is that if you're going to be protected when you go out there in the big world or even when you come to church, you need to realize that this is a spiritual war. It's a spiritual battle. Now, I fully expected listening to some of the, the statements that the president was making back around Easter that they were going to open the country back up pretty quickly, um, and, uh, and he did not. He was listening to, to Dr. Fauci. But at that point in time, I started saying, what you need to do is pay attention to the Holy Spirit. And that hasn't changed. The danger hasn't lessened you need to pay attention to the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is going to lead you. The Holy Spirit is going to give you the wisdom that you need, the insight that you need, right? And you need to recognize, and I need to recognize that this is a spiritual war. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. That means we're, it's not against human beings, but against, listen to what it says, the rulers, the powers, the world forces of this darkness against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. There's a lot going on around us that we cannot see with our physical eyes, amen? There is a four-dimensional world that we operate in with our five senses, okay? Three dimensions of space, one dimension of time, and in fact, you only experience half a dimension of time. You only experience time going one direction, right? So we're limited in the natural, but there is a supernatural world, a spiritual world that is above the natural, beyond the natural. Kind of think of it as being superimposed over the natural, and it is within that spiritual realm or those realms that we have these principalities and these powers and these rulers and these spiritual forces, and we don't know anything about that. But what I do know is when I suit up with the full armor of God, put my trust fully in almighty God and receive his strength, then I'm gonna be able to go to battle against those forces of wickedness, all right? So let's just look quickly as we conclude at each of those implements, right? Um, it says, 
girding your loins with the truth. That's kind of a weird phrase, girding your loins, but it just basically means it surrounds me here, okay? And again, uh, you know, in karate, we, we have what is, what is known as, it's the karate uniform, but it's, it's known as the karate gi, right? And it actually, it folds around your body, and then there's a belt that holds it together. There's a belt that ties it together. So the karate gi is very similar in this regard to what we're talking about. We're talking about girding your loins. It's holding everything together. The truth holds everything in place. The Roman soldier used the belt to hold the breastplate down. That's, you know, we didn't do that because the, the belt was, is looser on this, uh, this toy set than it would be. But actually, uh, even though he mentions the, the, the belt of truth first, he probably would have put the breastplate on first and then he would have put the belt around it to hold it down, right? He also attached the sheath for his sword to that, um, to that belt. And then he tucked his toga in to the same belt in order to be able to run and fight. If you don't know or don't believe in God's unchanging and absolute truth, then everything else is going to fall apart, friends. Right now, it is the most important time in my history to hang on to God's unchanging truth, his unchanging word. The next is the breastplate of righteousness. Now, I had notes from last week to talk about this. I'm just going to cover this very briefly. God is the creator. Would you agree? That means that God designed the world. Would you agree? That means just as my sign says out there, there is a right way. There is a way things are supposed to be. I don't get to just invent the way things are. And this is what we find today. Every man, every woman does what was right, did what was right in their own eyes because they don't recognize any king in Israel. They don't recognize any authority. That was the statement that was made over and over again in Judges. Actually, it was made on two critical occasions, but the examples are over and over again. The people were just doing whatever they pleased. We got people that are just inventing reality today. And again, I'm not going to you know, get into a side eddy here, but uh, we're, we need to understand that God designed the world. There is a way things are supposed to be. So when I align myself with God, when I accept his way, whether I like it or not is not relevant. Whether I feel like it or not, whether I feel it or not, doesn't matter. God designed the world. He knows the way it's supposed to be. I need to align myself with his design. Why don't you say that? Say align with his design. It's just very simple. You line up with God's truth. God has established laws, laws of the universe, laws of physics, and there's a moral law. And I can't step outside of that moral law even if I have power to use and abuse. And I just want to pause here very briefly, and I'm going to let you apply this, okay? All authority is moral authority. When someone in a position of authority, uh, a politician, a police officer, a preacher, a teacher, when someone in that position of authority abuses that authority, is immoral then they lose the right to tell people what to do. And, you know, parents, you need to understand this, okay? You need to set the example. Don't just tell your kids what to do, but show them what you want them to do. More is caught than is taught. When you demonstrate that you are not going to be a person of integrity and follow your own rules, then they don't think they need to listen to you. 
And this is what we see going on in our country today. People are not paying attention because there have been some abuses. And we've already discussed that over the last two weeks. But I just want to say all authority ultimately is moral authority, right? So I need to put on the breastplate of righteousness because it protects my heart. I need to be right with God, first of all. That's in right standing with God. And that happens when I come to know Jesus. I, I am forgiven of my sin when I confess that I'm a sinner and I come to Jesus and I seek his forgiveness and I invite him to come into my heart and take control of me. And then I'm given right standing with God. But God doesn't just, doesn't just leave it at that. He doesn't just say, okay, now you're in right standing with me. Go do whatever you want to do. Go just run around, run wild, go crazy. I'll just forgive you of all of that stuff. No, that's not the right way to act, okay? In fact, the reason why we baptize people is so that they can understand what the scripture teaches. And that is that, do you not know, the apostle Paul says that those of us that were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead to the glory of the Father, we too might be raised to walk in newness of life. When you come to know Christ, you are put in right standing with God. Jesus imputes you with his righteousness. That means God, even though you're not righteous, God looks at you as righteous. That's a very big deal. But he's not just going to leave you that way. He puts his spirit inside of you, and his spirit is called the what spirit? The blank spirit. The what? Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit makes you holy, which means you become more like Christ. You become more like God. He changes your nature. He changes your character so that you begin to produce righteousness. You're not just in right standing with God. You're living righteously, and there are many promises for those that are righteous, but that righteousness guards your heart. All right, we, uh, our feet are guarded with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Before you do anything, you need to be ready to share the good news of Jesus with people. The last command that Jesus gave before he left the earth was go therefore into all the world. Can you go anywhere without shoes? Not really, not far. Go therefore into all the world and make disciples. That doesn't mean force people to be disciples, Right? But it means we make disciples by sharing the gospel with people, giving them the opportunity to believe in Jesus, right? And then he says, uh, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have taught you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Before we leave, we need to be ready to share the gospel with anybody we encounter. Amen? A coworker, a family member, a stranger. You know, if I get into a conversation with somebody... I'm going to seek to bring that conversation around to where I can find out whether they're interested in hearing about Jesus. Now, if they're resistant and they're not, I'm not going to be a religious weirdo and beat them over the head and make them feel icky because I'm just, you know, talking about religious topics. But what you find is if you're prepared, if you're prayed up before you leave the house, God's going to give you opportunities to share with people. He's going to open those doors and he's going to allow you to share with people. And you may be the transforming agent in their life. You may be the one that preaches the gospel to them. All right, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. You know, I, uh, this coronavirus could be looked at as those flaming arrows. It's out there. And we can shelter inside for three days, three months, three years. It's just going to be sitting out there. It's not going away. And we can try to protect ourselves. We can wash our hands, social distancing. It's out there. That's what everybody needs to understand and stop freaking out about it. It's out there. It's a virus. It's out there. It's all over the world. It's not going away, right? 
So that's like the flaming mist. So what can I do to protect myself? Well, again, if you have an N95 mask, you can wear that and that'll help. These masks we're wearing, again, they protect us from each other, but they're not protecting you from the virus. The virus goes right through that just like a mosquito goes through a chain link fence. That's, you know, it's an illusion of safety. If you're outside, for goodness sake, if you're not around anybody, take the mask off. <laughs> Breathe. <laughs> if you're alone in your car, I see people driving down the street and they're alone in their car and they're wearing the mask. I'm like, okay. Now, I understand if you are just like somebody that is super patient, you wash your hands and you put the mask on at the beginning of the day and you're like, I'm not touching it. I get that. You've already seen me up here adjust this 700 times, right? The danger in doing that is I get stuff all over my hands and we're, not, we're told not to touch our face, right? But I'm adjusting this all over. So now I'm getting it on the mask and I'm breathing it in. Oh, great. I'm looking at some of you guys, you haven't touched your mask at all. You're just better than me. That's all. You're just better than me, right? I can't do that. You know, some of you have to wear them at work and you're used to it and all that other stuff. Um, but what I'm trying to say is what protects you is the shield of faith. That protects you from the flaming missiles of the enemy. The enemy wants to steal and he wants to kill and he wants to destroy you. Now, again, I fasted and prayed for you guys and I'm praying that nobody gets this, right? I'm continuing to pray for that. But you need to pray and you need to trust the Lord. And if, for whatever reason, again, the Apostle Paul prayed that the thorn of the flesh would be taken away, and it wasn't. If it's the Lord's will that you get this thing, you trust the Lord. Amen? And you trust the Lord that you're going to be able to power through, and you're going to come out on the other side okay. That's faith. That's the shield of faith. That's what keeps me positive. Now, I'm going to tell you, honestly, this face mask thing today was a struggle for me this week. I don't like them, and I didn't want to make this decision. I I just didn't. And I just didn't know if anybody was going to show up this morning because we are a group of contrarians in this church. All right? So uh, I'm very pleased that you're here and hopefully other people see that we're, we're trying to uh, make our way. All right? So take up that shield of faith. It gives you confidence. It makes you positive. It lets you know that, listen, everything is going to be all right. Amen? I'm not just saying that because I just want to feel positive. I'm saying that because the scripture says that God causes all things to work together for the good of those that love God and are called according to his purpose. Back up. Do you love God? Do you love God? Are you making an effort to try to become more like Jesus? That's God's purpose. That's God's purpose. Now, you have an individual purpose. You have a, a reason to be here. Uh, part of that's your family. Part of that is, you know, the way you express yourself in your career and so forth. But your primary purpose is to become like Jesus. That's what's going to prepare you for heaven. So listen to the promise again. God causes all things to work together for your good. That's bulletproof, man. You can't touch me. God is going to take even the worst situation, the worst scenario, the worst circumstances, and he's going to turn it around for my good and his glory. Now, don't just look at me. That's for you, right? He's going to turn it around for your good and for his glory. How many of y'all have seen Captain America in the Marvel Universe? Then you have seen that the shield can be used as a weapon, can it? 
I mean, that dude can throw that thing and bounce it around and slay five people and it comes back in his arm and he's all ready to go. I got to tell you, I like Captain America better than Superman. He's just... I do. That dude's just my favorite superhero, followed closely by Spider-Man. I just, I like those two a lot. I really do. Um, good character. But that shield protects you from the flaming missiles of the enemy, but it can also be used as a weapon, right? So faith can push back the enemy. And that's why I want your faith to be strong. The helmet of salvation. I, I mentioned this earlier when uh, Asher per, first put that on, but you need to be saved before you do anything. In fact, that's, that's something, before you leave this room today, you need to make sure that you have a solid relationship with Jesus that's real. Because otherwise, the enemy can take you out. You can agree with all these statements that I'm making, but you need to have a real relationship with Jesus so that you know that in the end, you're gonna be in heaven with him, amen? Because your righteousness is not enough to get you into heaven. My righteousness is not enough to get me into heaven. I need Jesus and I need that salvation and that's what's gonna guard my head. You need to be saved, right? And then the final thing, and I mentioned this a little more as well, is the, is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Can I just say this as I conclude? You need to get into a scripture memorization program. You need to start memorizing the word. Now, I mentioned it to Asher and I had Asher quote, uh, uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, okay, because he has that memorized. But when Jesus was in the wilderness, Satan tempted him. Satan attacked him. And he attacked him at the point of his identity. He said, if you are the son of God, are you really the son of God? He wanted to get Jesus to doubt who he was. If you're really the son of God, prove it. 40 days have gone by. Jesus is hungry. And Satan says, if you're the son of God, turn these stones into bread. And then Jesus quoted scripture from Deuteronomy. He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So then in Matthew's account, the next temptation is Satan takes him to the pinnacle of the temple in Jerusalem. So this would have been the highest place uh, there. And Jerusalem was built on, on several hills. So this pinnacle of the temple wasn't just the highest place in the temple. It was probably up on a hill. So he was looking way down in a ravine. It was pretty, pretty high. And Satan says, jump down. And then he quotes scripture back to, to Jesus. For it is written, he will give his angels charge concerning you and they will bear you up in their hands lest you strike your foot against the stone. Satan was misquoting the scripture. He was leaving part of it out. The part that he left out was, and they will watch over you in all of your ways. God watches over you in all of your ways and he guides you not to take a hike up to the pinnacle of the temple and say, okay, God, I'm gonna jump, save me. Jesus came back at him again, not by saying, I'm the son of God. Get away from me, Satan. No, he came back at him again with scripture. And this is again from Deuteronomy. He said, it is written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. And then the final temptation, uh, according to Matthew's order, is Satan shows him all the kingdoms of the world in a sweep of his hand, and he said, I'll give all this to you if you'll bow down and worship me. Again, Jesus could have said, I'm not going to worship you. You worship me. I'm the son of God. But Satan was getting at him at the point of his identity and trying to get him to disbelieve in who he was. So again, Jesus quoted scripture, very simple. It is written, you shall not test the Lord your God. And then depart from me, Satan, 
for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. That's essentially the first commandment. There's only one God and you worship him. You don't worship other gods. Notice, Jesus used scripture every time. That's your, that's your model, that's your example. You need to be in this word more than you're paying attention to anything else, more than you're watching and re-watching re the Marvel universe, more than you're on the news, more than you're listening to sports. You need to be in this word. It needs to saturate your thinking because that is your weapon against all this evil of the world. All right, the band's gonna come up here and they're gonna uh, do one more song for us. Uh, if you would like to donate to our church, we're gonna take up an offering here locally, but you, and you can see how you can do it on your uh, mobile device by just looking at the bulletin. Um, if you wanna go to lifewellchurch.com, if you're watching online, you can go there later. Uh, you can find out how to donate to our church and be, help us to continue with our ministry, right? But I want you to focus on what the Lord has said to you today so that you will understand this is a spiritual battle and you need to be prepared before you get out those back doors today, before you leave your house, before you turn on your TV and start watching something else. What has the Lord said to you today and what are you supposed to do? Now, if you have never made the Lord Jesus Christ your Savior and Lord, uh, Pastor Craig is gonna be down here and uh, I'm gonna be down here and we would love to talk to you. We'll be wearing our masks so we won't... Uh, will be less dangerous to you. And we would love to talk to you about having a relationship with Jesus. But really, it's just as simple as the scripture says. If you call on the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. So if you were a kid and you were lost, and maybe you can remember a time when you were a kid and you were lost. Kids, what's the first thing you do when you're lost? That's right. You call out for your mama or you call out for your daddy. Call out for your grandma. So if your mama loves you, and you call out to her and you're lost, what's she going to do? She's going to come running to get you. Scripture says, call in the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. Just call on Jesus, and he will step out of heaven and into your heart, and he will save you. And you can leave this place with a brand new relationship with God.